0: You are listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant congregation outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin. You can learn more about us at Bethelcov.org. Thanks for listening. Around 10 through 20, or page 1137. So this, uh, Oops, there we go. So, this fall, kind of as we started the fall at Bethel, we've been talking uh, about prayer, about learning how to talk to God, what it means uh, to talk to God. And I find that I do um, the most intense uh, talking to God, that I do most of the, the most fervent prayers I ever pray are always inside vehicles. Um, so when I was a kid and, and a young adult, I used to be afraid of flying. Uh, so so man, like forget church. Like if you really want to pray, get me in a plane that's taking off. Like, And I would just, I remember, and I would pray just the crazy, you know, I'd just be like, Lord, just help this plane to take off and land. And when you're scared in that moment, you're like, whatever it takes, you know, I'll, please, Lord, just... Uh, help us to stay in the air. You hear that thump, and all of a sudden, you know, it's like you're on your knees. Um, the, the other place, now that it hits me uh, all the time, is is behind the wheel of a car. Um, and for me, as, uh, and actually, Will and I were talking about this earlier today, driving um, older vehicles, um, what prompts me to prayer is the lights on the dashboard occasionally. And, and I remember one time... I was driving home from Hudson in our, in our blue Ford Explorer, 98 Ford Explorer, 200 plus thousand miles on it. And the check engine light comes on and it, um, and it starts blinking. And that's never good. Uh, and it starts making these sounds. And if I keep it slow enough, it stops blinking. And so I'm praying for just like a few more miles to get home. I pull over and I I call my brother-in-law who knows about cars. And he's like, you should just try and get it home. And I'm like, OK. And so you know, I got the flashers on. I'm looking in the, the windows. And I'm like, Lord, if I get this car home, I will change the oil every three months. <laughs> I won't delete the code on that check engine light one more time. And some promises don't come true. But we made it. I made it. Um, I tend to call them those like, like Jesus take the wheel kind of prayers. Like you've done literally everything you can possibly do. You're stuck in that moment. You know, the test is coming up and you haven't studied for it. Um, your boss, like in the morning, you come in and says, hey, I'd like to talk to you at four o'clock today, you know. And you're just praying. There's nothing you can do. Uh, and you're just hoping that God steps in in some incredible way to kind of save the day. Maybe, maybe it's when you've done something wrong, and you hope nobody would find out, but it becomes clear people are going to find out, like, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to recover from this. Maybe it's when you have absolutely no idea how to solve a problem, or when the check engine light is blinking five miles to drive. Uh, Jesus, take the wheel prayers, uh, and my most passionate prayers, you know, they're for when you need help yesterday, you know, and, and you should have been doing something about this problem, but you weren't, and so now you're like, God, get me out of this mess. Uh, and and I, love, uh, I love reading Scripture. I love the story of Scripture because uh, Scripture is full of people praying prayers like that. It's full of people asking for help when they know they don't deserve it, when they know they got themselves into this mess, but they're asking for help anyway. It's full of people praying in the middle of crises that they brought on themselves, and crises that came completely out of left field and utterly wrecked their world. Um, if you read the Psalms, if you're looking for prayers like this, a third of the Psalms are like this. Uh, a third of the Psalms are, are Psalms of lament uh, and cries for help. They're like, God, things are falling apart and I have no choice. I don't know what to do. Uh, there's a book called Lamentations, which is one long, uh, anxious prayer prayed after uh, a nation faced a significant crisis, an uh, earth shattering crisis, um, you know, one that's just left them utterly wrecked. Our Bible is full of prayers prayed by people at that worst and last uh, possible moment. And, and lucky for us, and, and one of the things that I love about that is it shows us that, that our Father God is right there for us in those moments. Whether we bring it on ourselves, or we should have made a different choice, or maybe it came out of left field, we don't uh, worry and suffer and fear alone. God is right there for us in those moments, in those Jesus-take-the-wheel moments. But um, in the New Testament and in, in the Bible, um, most of the time when it teaches us how to pray, um, it's not just about those key moments. It's not just about those desperate moments. I think um, most of us kind of know how to pray in those moments because we're like, help, whatever it is, God, I don't care. Just come, come through. Uh, but when you, when you read about uh, Jesus, when Jesus is asked um, how we should pray, when his disciples ask him, Jesus, what's the best way to pray? Uh, he tells them to, to pray for their daily bread. Uh, he tells them to pray for their daily uh, challenges and trials. He tells them to pray for the things they need to be forgiven of today. Uh, his prayer, it's not just for those moments. It's for for every day. Um, another thing that he says is, he says, pray uh, like you're a cluster of grapes that needs to be attached to a vine to survive. Pray uh, in a way that shows you depend on God, not just when the check engine light is on, but when uh, you think maybe you have it handled. Um, Paul, we talked about last week, uh, in the New Testament says, pray without ceasing. And so if you take that, as, as important as it is to cry out to God when the check engine light is blinking, uh, as important as it is and as wonderful it is that we can cry out to God in moments of tragedy and in the last possible second, um, we spend most of our time we spend most of our time, praise God, not in moments of crisis. Um, and it may not feel like that if you're in the middle of something right now, uh, but we spend most of our time not in moments of crisis. And so the question is, uh, how do we pray in those times? Do we connect to God? Do we re- rely on God in those times? And what would it look like if we did? Well, our, uh, our scripture today comes from the book of Ephesians, and Ephesians is a a short uh, letter. It's written to kind of uh, regular Christians of the day. Um, It it covers really basic stuff for them. It covers some of the beliefs of the Christian faith, uh, and it covers how Christians ought to live. And it actually um, is like weirdly specific about that. Um, You know, Paul talks about, hey, these things you've been doing, like probably best if if you're following Jesus to stop stealing. Like he says, stop stealing in Ephesians. Probably best to share what you have with people in need. And and most of it is this like practical and mundane advice for how to live life differently. Um, And so it's kind of this, how regular Christians ought to live in this specific place and in this specific time. Uh, But it ends with like, what I think is like the funniest kind of call to action at the end of of any letter, um, when you think about who it's written to, uh, it ends with this sort of call to arms. It's here in Ephesians 6. Thank you, Patrick. Uh, It's right here in Ephesians 6. And if you grew up in in the church and you were a little kid, you probably saw these Bible verses on a poster next to a knight in shining armor. Uh, But if not, maybe this will be new to you. So here it goes. Finally, uh, and again, Paul is, he's summing up everything he said so far. So he's like, finally, with all that said, uh, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Uh, Rely on the Lord. Connect to the vine. Uh, He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, it's easy to get tripped up on, on verse 12. It sounds kind of weird, and sometimes people write whole books about you know what's a power, what's an authority, what's a spiritual forces, but, but the point that Paul is trying to make here, before we get too far off track, is that our struggle, our problem, the, the fight of life, is not with the other human beings that we think of as enemies sometimes. Uh, there's actually something deeper going on. Our our struggle, we don't win anything. Uh, The battle of good and evil is not fought uh, me against you or me against them. Instead, it's fought uh, behind the scenes um, in this this spiritual world. There's something deeper going on. Uh, So he continues. He says, there's something deeper going on. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand... And, and again, this is that same kind of um, language, this conflict language. So like there's days when it's going to be really hard uh, in that, that spiritual behind-the-scenes battle, that battle not against other human beings, but there's going to be days when it's really hard. And when that day comes... You want to have a firm, solid place to stand. And so then uh, it gets to the part that's on your poster if you're a preteen that goes to church. Uh, stand firm then. And, and he talks about the different parts of the armor. He says, put on a belt of truth. Uh, he says, put on a breastplate of righteousness. Um, He says, put on shoes that are are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. He's listing all these different elements of of armor, this invisible spiritual armor that you might need uh, to follow Christ in the middle of uh, the challenges of regular regular life. He says, in addition to this, take up the shield of faith where you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Uh, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then he concludes... And he says, in addition to all that, he says, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Pray at all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for, for other people who are following Jesus because following, following Jesus is hard. So, if you're like me, and you grew up with, with the armor of God on your door, um, maybe it's, it's like lost a little bit of meaning to you. Maybe you've heard a thousand sermons about how, you know, to have a breastplate, like the righteousness is on your chest because that's where your heart is, and isn't that great? And, and we're not going to go into that today. Like, that's good stuff, and there's interesting stuff there. Um, but what strikes me about this as I read again, I think about what it means to pray every day, is um, here's Paul. He's talking to, if you read Ephesians, you get an idea of who he's talking to. He's talking to uh, some probably like peasant farmers. Uh, he's talking to some, some slaves, some people that are in economic distress in this community. He's talking to children. He's talking to uh, men and women, which is something you didn't normally talk, to. a group of people you wouldn't normally address something directly to in the ancient world. Um, and he's telling them, he's telling all these people, these regular people, who seriously get up seven days a week and work just enough to survive, he's telling them that they need to start their day with armor. And, and I know, right, it's, it's spiritual armor, obviously they're not wearing helmets, but think about how strange this might seem to them. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, do, do you feel like you need to start your day with extra protection? <laughs> Do you feel like you need to start your day with armor, uh, spiritual or or otherwise? Maybe maybe you do. Um, like yesterday, I'll tell you what I did yesterday. I worked here a little bit. I got a haircut, and I played with Foster. And I'm not sure that I needed like armor for that. I'm not sure that those things were important enough to wear a wear a helmet, right? spiritual. Or otherwise, uh, I don't know what you did. Maybe, um, maybe you mowed the yard. Did you need armor to mow the yard, or, or do you think you kind of had that task handled? Uh, it's it's kind of a, a strange statement because don't forget, for most of the letter, Paul is is encouraging. Uh, these, these Christians, these real world Christians to like show love to each other, to treat people to respect with respect. He's, he's telling them to like stop stealing. He's telling them to share what they have with other people. And then he sums up um, stuff that we think of as like, okay, yeah, this is just the right thing to do. He sums up with, and don't forget to put on armor because it's going to be really hard to do. And I think most of the people reading this, uh, just like today, um, would have had no idea of what it was really like to wear armor. Like your context as, a, as an Ephesian is a lot like your context today. You might know about people that, that wear armor, but, but you most likely didn't wear it. Maybe some people in the community did, but it's pretty, pretty unlikely. They might have seen it. And so if, if you lived at this church, you went to this church, um, your context of armor is all tied up in the Roman Empire that you, you belong to. Uh, it wouldn't be unusual for you to see a, a group of men leaving town, uh, you know, all, all geared up, you know, with their, their belts and their, their uh, breastplates and their shields. And, and just like um, most cultures today, um, here's the story that you would have told yourself about those men leaving town in, in armor. You would have said, here are these guys, they're all geared up to go fight on our behalf. Uh, and and just like uh, today in the ancient world, is just like this, right? The, they gear up in armor, they leave town, they go to the edges of the empire. And what are they doing at the edges of the empire? Well, they're fighting the evil barbarians, right? You put on armor because you have a battle to fight with the forces of, of evil. The guys on our team are good. The guys out there are evil, right? Uh, and their job, their goal, these soldiers that you would have seen every day, is to bring Caesar, uh, the ruler of Rome, his peace his civilization, his uh, whatever, to those, those evil barbarians out there on the fringes that are, are going to take care of us. And, and in Ephesus, there were, it was a military town. There were lots of soldiers around, and you thought of them that way. These are the guys that are stopping the barbarians from getting to us. They're going to fight against evil on our behalf. And Paul takes that story that you would have grown up hearing, that you would have thought about every day, and he, and he flips it. He says, you might think the battle of good and evil is fought on the frontier by a guy with a sword wearing a helmet, but he says the most important battles in life, the ultimate battle of good and evil is not a battle of flesh and blood. It's not a battle you can win with a literal sword and a helmet. Uh, those men in, in helmets uh, aren't fighting the real battle of good versus evil. This is what Paul's saying, and it's kind of uh, controversial, because he's saying, they're not fighting it, but, but you are. He says, well, where a soldier has to prepare for combat, uh, to gear up for combat, Paul thinks that it's ordinary followers of Jesus... Uh, not just the men in literal armor who need to dress for battle. Uh, he imagines regular people that have jobs that don't feel like they matter, that have uh, regular concerns getting up every morning and taking the time to like, dress for battle before making breakfast or like milking the cows or, or heading, heading to school. Uh, Paul thinks they need to wear armor every day Because according to Paul, according to scripture, right, the battle for good and evil is not fought uh, nation against nation. It's not fought uh, by superheroes. Uh, It's not fought even by like SEAL Team 6 or anyone else. According to Paul, the real battle of good and evil is fought by farmers and teachers and students and retired people. And the next skirmish in that battle, it's it's like Wednesday at 8 (laughs) a.m., And that when you wake up on a Wednesday at 8 a.m., you're going to need to make sure you have your armor with you. You're going to need to make sure you have more than your own strength. Because it's in the daily unimportant feeling tasks, the small interactions with people that you have every single day, that time where you have a chance to care for somebody that has a problem, or when you snap at somebody because you're tired, or when you make choices that, that harm uh, people in your community in, in small ways, it's that everyday battle, um, that everyday place where the battle of light and darkness is fought. Um, Paul would argue that a, a lifetime of, of passive aggressive anger uh, does more violence to people and their souls than than other things. Uh, A habit of indifference towards others does more harm than one loud outburst of hatred. But he would also argue that it's daily acts of love and presence and perseverance and caring and sharing and not stealing anymore that can transform a life. That daily sacrifice for others shines more brightly than the grandest display of generosity that might be in the newspaper. According to Paul, the battle between light and darkness, good and evil, hope and despair is not Iron Man against Thanos. It's not on foreign battlefields, but instead it's fought every day in kitchens, in classrooms, on tractors, and in office parks. And it's the habit of prayer that can prepare you for being who you need to be in those small moments that you probably think don't really matter that much. According to Paul and Jesus and much of the Bible, it's in the moment by moment that prayer uh, supports us so that light comes up against darkness. That a difference isn't made by taking a stand one time, but by connecting to Jesus like a cluster of grapes on a vine. That that shocking act of generosity is smaller than the daily provision for somebody who needs it. That putting on ideas like new clothes every morning are the way we really resist evil. It's in the epic struggle of Wednesday that light finds victory over darkness. And because of that, Paul says, we should pray on all occasions. We have to pray like our moments matter. And I know for me, uh, my problem is, I, like we talked about, I tend to reach out to God when, my, when it's too late. When the car needed an oil change three months ago and it's running way over miles. When I've neglected my relationships and now there's a crisis. When, I, when we neglect, you know, if you neglect your health, it's like neglecting your health until you have that heart attack. And, and God is there in the crisis. God is there in those key moments. But what if we prepared... What if we believed, Paul, that the battle, uh, that life is a battle and we're going to need more than our own strength to make it through? And, and so one thing that, that I've tried to do that's helped me uh, develop a new habit of prayer, that's helped me make this real in my life, are these, these three things um, that I encourage you to try with me, I challenge you to try with me, uh, is, is just these three things. It only probably takes 10 minutes a day, even less if you're, if you're starting out, because maybe it, you don't have a lot to say. Uh, The first is to start your day with prayer. Um, When you wake up in the morning, uh, before your feet hit the floor, um, and if you're like me, before you pull out your phone and look at Facebook, um, say a prayer. And here's a really easy prayer that you can pray first thing in the morning. And and it comes from an ancient source, Uh, but it's this. It's, Father, bring me someone to serve today. Uh, When you wake up in the morning, if you don't pray for anything else, if you're too tired to think about what your concerns are for the day or whatever, just start by saying, Lord God, Father, today bring me someone to serve. And before you open up Facebook, before your feet hit the floor, before you run off to the bathroom or whatever it is you need to do, the first thing you wake up in the morning, start by praying that and then you can spend the day looking for that person. The second uh, neat trick is, is ending the day with prayer. Um, there's a lot of different ways to do this, but here's a really, really simple way uh, to end every day with prayer is as you're praying, ask yourself three questions. What do I have to celebrate? What do I have to apologize for? And what do I have uh, that's driving me crazy and I need to let go? Uh, what do I have to celebrate? What do I have to confess and what do I have to surrender? And so you get to the end of the day, maybe you'll remember that person that God brought into your path that, that you're, you're supposed to serve. And maybe if you're like me, you like saw them coming and were like, oh no, I'm out of here. And so then you have something to confess. But maybe you showed up and you listened and you cared and then you've got something to celebrate. Or maybe you end the day like me and you're just carrying all of the like nonsense from the day and you have trouble sleeping. This is your chance to, to surrender that project you're worried about for tomorrow. To say, I've done what I can, God, hold on to this thing. And then finally, the last little trick that, that I'll encourage you to try, and this one's really hard, uh, but once you start the habit, it, it sort of makes it, it happen on its own. Uh, I, I'm calling it interrupting prayer. Uh, but it's this, when somebody says something or you encounter something that's going to send you towards a, a reaction, just stop for like 10 seconds and pray in between. So like, uh, habits are are formed in, in three steps, right? So for me, one of my habits, I see those beautiful golden arches out on Main Street, and my mouth waters. Like immediately because my body knows that we're going to turn in and respond by getting uh, some wonderful French fries and then you eat the French fries and you're happy. So, so to break that habit, uh, to start a new habit is when you, you see a cue, when you see those arches, when you get frustrated at work and you're like, I'm going to pull up my phone and waste some time on Facebook or when somebody says something to you and you're just about to like slap back with the perfect comeback, just, just break the cycle and take 10 seconds to pray. And this is a prayer that, that you can pray in this. is uh, You can do a breath prayer, and, and a breath prayer is really easy. Actually, we had a guest speaker talk about this. It's really easy. When you breathe in, you just say, Father God. And when you breathe out, say, have mercy on me. <laughs> and maybe, you know, you're, um, you're with that person. And it's best to not say that out loud. <laughs> but you say it in your heart. You just, you know, you hear that comment. You get that cue, and you think, Father God, have mercy on me. And maybe, just maybe, in that one second break, you'll make a better choice than you would have before. Maybe you're like me and you're still going to get the French fries anyway. <laughs> but when we start to change where we turn first in our problems, in our lives, the, the possibilities are, are endless. Um, when we start to call out to God before the water is like here, before the, the water softener is all out of salt, um, we'll find that we bring light to people where we walk. We'll find that people find healing and encouragement for encountering us. We'll find that people are blessed because they crossed our path that day. And then when the wheels do fall off, because they still will, when, when the call comes in from the doctor, when your boss wants to talk to you, when the check engine light comes on, you'll find that you're a whole lot stronger and a whole lot more solid in your connection to God than you would have been otherwise you'll find that it becomes possible for you to make it through the trials too. Because when we're practiced at turning to the right place, we can help when we're needed. Our our lives are are too important. The Bible says that what you do every single day matters way more than you think it does. That your challenges and your life is too important. That there's a battle going on at work. Your challenges are too big, and if you're like me, your selfishness is, is too big uh, to try and handle everything on your own. But fortunately, we have a Father who loves to talk to us, who longs to comfort us, and who's at work in those big moments and in those small moments when we let Him. So may we rely on Him, the source of our strength, in the trials and in the details in between. Would you pray with me? Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant church outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin, and you can find out more about us at BethelCov.org.